This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 245, World War II on the Silver Screen. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben. Ben Avery, and I'm here with Steve, Steve McDonald. That's me. And Evan, Evan David. That's him. That's me. And we are here to talk about some movies. Woohoo! Specific movies. We're here because... Um, I love I, specific movies. Yeah. I saw Dunkirk uh, recently. I had to choose. Am I going to go see Valerian? And the city of a thousand galaxies? Planets. Planets. Worlds. City of a thousand planets. Planets. Okay. I saw that one. Yeah. That looked like fun. I had to choose between that one and Dunkirk. And I really wanted to see Dunkirk, but I also really wanted to see Valerian. And you know what made me see Dunkirk? First of all, it's 90 minutes long. Second of all, I had an earlier start time. (laughs) And I realized I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm old. I'm 42. Wow. I, and I chose my movie based on what time does it start and how short is it? Now, to be fair, uh, Valerian is what a two hour and 20 minute movie. And the only showtime was 10 o'clock. Wow. Yeah. That's so stinky. Oh, you'd be out the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And I did not feel like doing that and having to go into work the next day after leaving the theater after one o'clock. In the morning. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so Dunkirk it was. And can I just tell you guys, I you neither of you have seen it, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's uh, World War II. It's based on a true event. And I just want to tell you guys that y- you need to see it. I want to go see it. It's so good. It is so, so good. And it, yeah, it's Christopher Nolan and... Interstellar was Memento Interstellar Memento. Most of his movies that aren't Batman mess around with time. This is no, uh, no different. This, this movie messes around with time in its chronology and how it tells the story. But, and and that's the one thing I would tell you to be prepared for when you go into the theater, the first three scenes are in three different time periods, uh, leading up to this event in Dunkirk, uh, in, in France. And, one of the stories starts a week before the end of the movie. The other story starts a day before the end of the movie. 
And then the third story starts an hour before the end of the movie. And when, when you get to <laughs> when you get to the end of the movie, they've all met up with each other. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and so that's all I'm going to say about that. Just that that's the kind of playing with time. I've tried to do that in some of my stuff before, and you can kind of do it with some time travel sto- stories and that, but um, never had a chance to do something on this scale. And, and they do it brilliantly. And all the possible storytelling um, uh, gimmicks that you could do with, with that kind of a timeline, they do and do it really, really well. So nice. I, that's all I'm going to say that and that it's a true story and that the cinematography is wonderful and the tension is it's so tense. So, so tense. Um, <laughs> tension is tense. Yeah. Yeah. So Dunkirk then World War Two. I walked out of the theater and I was thinking about World War Two movies I'd seen. I was thinking about other movies I'd seen, too, that have to do with war. Um, and then as I was thinking about World War Two movies, I started thinking about Steven Spielberg and some of his movies. And then that got me thinking, you know, we could actually probably do an episode just talking about World War Two movies, especially World War Two movies that maybe have um, science fiction or fantasy trappings or are science fiction fantasy adjacent. Um, in other words, the people involved are science fiction fantasy people like Christopher Nolan. And so, yeah, that's what we're talking about today. World War Two on film, uh, particularly with a sci fi fantasy bent. But not necessarily all of them will, because like I said, we just talked about Dunkirk and I would recommend it to anyone who likes good cinema. I would also recommend it in the theater for anyone. Is it Um, good for kids? Well, how old? I mean, it's violent and it's tense and there are it's you don't necessarily feel you're I didn't feel an emotional empathy with the characters except fear. (laughs) And and like Mm. uh, just these there's there's a bunch of moments. Well, you know what? I'll I'll just I'll tell you this. One of my Sunday school teachers um, who volunteers in my program was at the theater where where when I saw the movie and I didn't quite recognize her when I walked by in the dark. I thought that looks like her. I wonder if it's her. And so then on Sunday, I asked if I asked if she had seen that movie at the theater. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that, that was me. And she said, you know, I don't want to see that movie ever again. But I'm glad I saw it um, because it remind she'd had some health problems and including some some situations where she couldn't breathe well. And it kind of brought back some of those um, moments for her uh, because this is all about escaping a beach to cross the channel to get back to England. I mean, home is 15 miles away, but you have 40 or 400,000 British troops uh, trapped on a beach. And they can't get away. They can't get out because the boats are getting you know, bombed and stuff like that. And mm. and so it's all about crossing this this channel uh, while your bo- boats are getting bombed. And it's just I don't want to say much more than what I just said, but just think of all the tense situations that can come out of that and imagine these tense situations that could come out of that filmed really, really well. And by by a. I would almost call him a master storyteller. Um, I've heard people complain about this movie because of the way they do the timeline. It's a gimmick that, and I, I would just say, no, it's not a gimmick. It, it's great because then all three of these stories can all like take the same rising action as far as yeah. the time that it takes to tell the rising action on screen. 
And you're, you're not like starting out and just doing one story that's a whole week long. And while the other story is happening, you just have them like, okay, so now we're going to watch them eat dinner just so we can see these characters <laughs> in act one. And we actually get to see three different uh, sets of characters basically have act one all together. It's not the same act one, but it's all three act ones are happening together and all three act twos are happening together. And the action is rising for all three of these stories at the same time, right. even though they're not taking place at the same moment in time. And yeah, so I would, I would argue that it, it totally makes sense the way they tell the story and it totally, it worked for me. It really, really did. I was just, it was a great movie, a great cool. movie. So I, I, I'm glad I chose that one, Valerian. I still want to see because uh, I want to see the spectacle. Um, <laughs> and, but I, I just haven't gotten, gotten a chance to. And, I, and we still have a, I still haven't seen Dark Tower, which I really want to see. But then I'm Is hearing all this terrible stuff yet? about it. Yeah, it's out. It's okay. out. The reviews aren't good, but it's out. No, I've heard some bad reviews. Yeah. But they're doing a te- television version of it as well, right? Well, and a, I guess it's supposed to be yes. like a television um, continuation as far as like filling the gaps between movies. Right. And I yeah, mean, or it's a prequel actually. I think the TV show, it could be. Yeah. It, it, it very, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know how well it goes along with the timeline and the storyline of the books. Um, but it's, uh, not doing well. Let's, let's just put it that way. So, but back to World War II. Well, oh, go yes. ahead, Evan. I was I was gonna say I, I well then I, I had to make the same choice as you, and I chose Valerian, and I went and saw that with my dad. And uh, except for one part in the movie, it was a it was a blast. It was a wild ride. What was the one part? There is a uh, random scene where a a woman does like a burlesque dance or something where she yeah it's like a flash dance or something it's, it's a complete tonal shift from the entire rest of the movie I'll, I'll, let's say that okay so yes it does make sense within the plot um and but it was unneeded the amount of screen time that was given to her, that part of her character <laughs> is it like the opera scene in the fifth element <laughs> I have not seen The Fifth Element, so oh. I wouldn't know. <laughs> the opera scene in The Fifth Element is... The thing is with that, it, it's not out of place, because that's the whole movie, is right. stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, of of all the things in that movie that could be out of place, that... I mean, That is one of them, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of them. That whole movie, man... I, I when I think about the fifth element, I just can't I can't figure out if I liked it or not. And I, I can't decide if I want to rewatch it to decide if I liked it or not, because I can't remember. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, I, I yeah. liked it, except uh, maybe this is something we should do as, a, as an episode. But the way it ended and I won't ruin it for anybody, but the way it ended sort of <laughs> for me contradicted the whole point of it. You mean so, when they reveal I, what what the fifth element actually is? Is that what you're talking about? Well, no, that makes sense. Okay, all right. But 
but the like the very ending end of it if you remember that part i don't know but it's it's just like that that part is sort of like well wait a minute you know it's for me personally and i think more coming from a, a christian viewpoint it doesn't make sense but if you're looking at it in a worldly way you know it's it i think it it's more of a uh, maybe not maybe, not as much of a stretch. Maybe we'll re- revisit Fifth Element when we talk about Valerian, because um, yeah, I don't remember anything past the the temple part where we actually get the reveal that this is what okay. the Fifth Element is. So okay, and the whole big climax scene there. So yeah, but we're here to talk about World War II. We're not here to talk about no Earth's future II. or whatever. Yeah, care um, about that. Yeah. Well, okay. So. In some ways, we could almost start the conversation here with Steven Spielberg because Steven Spielberg's movies about World War II, and there are a lot of movies about World War II that <laughs> Steven Spielberg has done. Well, I mean, just off the top of my head, movies about World War II with Steven Spielberg are 1941, um, Schindler's List, uh, Last Emperor, right? Not sure. Did he direct that? The Last Emperor. Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. No, Empire of the Sun. Empire oh, Sun, maybe. Um, did I mention Schindler's List? Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones the Last Crusade. Um, he was involved in doing Twilight Zone the movie, which had a segment. He didn't do the segment with World War II, but he he produced the segment. Or he produced right. was a producer on the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, so just that. And it just kind of his World War II filmography in a lot of ways kind of touches on every single possible um, war movie style of, of movie you can do from the comedy with 1941 to the super impactful, emotional Schindler's list to the adventurous romp with lines like Nazis. I hate those guys. And, <laughs> um, and, and then you have, um, uh, well, the Twilight Zone, the movie we can talk about later, not necessarily here, when we're talking about Steven Spielberg, but did he do saving private Ryan? That's right. He did do saving private Ryan. Uh, yeah. So earnest, impactful action movie. Um, and saving private Ryan actually Dunkirk reminded me a lot of saving private Ryan, just because of the kind of the raw, real, you are there in the moment kind of, right. of filming that was happening there. Um, yeah. And so I just find it very interesting. He spends a lot of his career in in that time of of our history mm-hmm. i mean why i mean that's the question that i think <laughs> and um you know part of it i think is his heritage i, mean, I think it's jewish and yeah that's what um, i was gonna say the yeah you know, the holocaust i mean that's why he did schindler's list is to like just show the world like this is look at this like look what happened and yeah. and there's there's something good that comes out of the movie as well with with schindler as the character was it no, I think it was on Welcome to Level 7 we were talking about Schindler and the idea that you know, I could have done more. Um, because that's that, for me, is the haunting moment of Schindler's List, is at the very end. Yeah. He's talking about, I, I, he sees all these people and they're like, you, you did this for us. And he's, I could have done more. Yeah. And he just breaks down and cries. I mean, maybe he's crying because he knew he was going to be in episode one soon. And... <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna kill me off right away in that movie but um yeah i mean that's it's, it's a lovely movie 
but it's it's very it's difficult to watch. watch. Yeah. yeah, but then you have I've never Indiana actually Jones. Seen it. Oh, really? It's oh. it's a difficult view. The one I've seen that was very difficult was uh, the boy in the striped pajamas, and I don't I don't know if you guys have seen that. No, or I if haven't. It's similar to Schindler's List, but do you know the premise? Um, I think so. Wait, no, I'm thinking of um. Oh, what's the guy? Uh, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I'm I'm thinking of the one where the guy is a clown, and he's like making kids laugh in the concentration camp. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This one's about a boy who is the son of the Nazi in charge of one of the concentration camps. It might be Auschwitz, and he goes off to play one day and and runs into the, or finds the fence. Uh, for the concentration camp and meets a little boy, a little Jewish boy who's inside and they become friends and he keeps sneaking off to hang out with him. And uh, it's just very, very interesting because you have this, this boy who's the son of the Nazis and then this boy is the son of the Jews and, and they're becoming friends and the implications that that has. So I'm not going to spoil it, but if you want an impactful movie about the Holocaust, yeah, I haven't seen Schindler's List, but man, I'm never watching this movie again, but it was very impactful. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, those, those I don't think I've seen that so one. Those movies are so interesting. The ones that you, you – it's hard to see the second time, but you have to see it the first time. You know, it's, it's yeah. almost like we could, we could do a whole episode on those. You know, they're not the eye candy movies. They're not the ones that are, you know, the, the feel-good, you know, great ending and everyone survives and all that stuff, but – you know, sometimes they're just so good, you know, cinematography and, and acting and, you know, the, the subject matter and all that stuff that you just, you know, it, you're right. You know, it's, it's hard to watch it the second time. Well, what's interesting about it is, um, I mean, you, you get these movies that are just so much about, like, human atrocity like just the depths of depravity that humanity can can sink into and that's i mean that's your schindler's list you know schindler's list is about this guy who is trying to help people but then you also see the people who are doing the stuff in the the concentration camp you're you're seeing the um uh the the ghetto uh, being you know wiped out and and soldiers mm-hmm. coming through and killing people and um lining people up and, you know, seeing how many people they can kill with one bullet when they're in a line. And, um, and it's the, for me, Schindler's list, the details, I do not remember much. I saw it two or three times, uh, in college and I don't remember the details of like the storyline. I remember just these images. Um, and, and that's one way you can go when you're doing a world war two movie. And the other way you go then is, is just these, you know, Dirty Dozen and um, Bridge of the River Kwai and and Dunkirk, you know, these these kind of adventure movies that are putting you in the place. And I think one of the reasons they can do that is because um, it's like one of our last good wars, so to speak, where it was very clear that even though maybe the motivations for why everyone was going to war wasn't the greatest – uh, what they ended up doing in stopping the Nazis from doing what they were doing and expanding beyond further beyond their, their borders than they actually were able to go. Um, that was a very good thing. You know, we, 
the, we stop yeah. that, you know? And when I say we, I don't mean necessarily even America. I mean, it's just we, the world, stopped that. Everyone else in the world, um, you know, that was against Germany stopped what what the Nazis were trying to do. And that's a good thing. And so it's a heroic war. Um, and in that way, it's kind of one of those things that kind of very easily fits into the mythic narrative of America and and other countries as well. But that mythic narrative of we are out there to do good things. And when we go out, we are going to help people and we are going to be Superman. We are going to be the hero. We are not going to be out there just, you know, doing things for political and monetary gain, which all the wars after World War Two, that was that was the line. You know, I mean, Vietnam mm-hmm. was never a really accepted situation. And what we're in, the, the wars we're in right now, the conflicts we're in right now, you know, there's so many. Um, I think part of what they're doing with the wars now is we don't even realize what we're doing. Um, we, we aren't, we aren't hearing about the stuff that's happening right now. We're hearing about dangers in other places that we could possibly come into conflict with, but the conflicts that we're actually sending our soldiers into, they're not, they're not front and center and we're not hearing about them because they're not popular. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, few of the conflicts that we've been involved in since world war ii have had a definitive clear enemy um i mean with world war ii you know who the enemy is they're in uniform proudly proclaiming that we are you know the nazis or or whoever and you know you know that they're officially a national army that we are going up against but now and and since then it's been insurgents or uh you know guerrilla warfare or terrorists. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's, here's the movie. Life is beautiful. It's uh, Roberto Benini. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember him. Uh, I haven't heard much from him lately, but oh. life is beautiful. Put him on the international stage. Um, there were some Oscars involved and he's, he was just this over the top personality. Oh, hey. And, um, yeah, but Life is Beautiful, that was the movie, and it was this um, just supposed to be a comedy, but not really a comedy. It's more – it's a mm-hmm. comedy because they're trying to do funny things in a horrible, horrible situation in this in this concentration <laughs> camp. And right. so it's more about character than it is about um, jokes. The jokes come from the character, not from the situation. Yeah, so that's what lends it then, what lends World War II to a, you know, heroic action adventure kind of thing with Indiana Jones. Not just one, but two Indiana Jones movies feature Nazis and feature Indiana Jones talking about how much he hates Nazis and killing Nazis and Nazis dying in horrific and terrible and interesting ways with plane (sighs) propellers and tank treads and different things like that but the power hey. of god yeah well that too so you guys want to talk about other fantasy science fiction movie world war ii yeah movies? yeah have you ever heard of a movie called zone troopers <laughs> no. <laughs> no zone troopers is a world war ii movie about um 
World War II soldiers uh, in Europe who find a UFO. <laughs> and there's an alien involved. And I, I was at my parents' house. And I don't know why I ended up doing this. Um, I was at my parents' house and they had cable. And then with that cable, you have, I guess, DirecTV or something like that. Is that what it's called? Maybe where you can rent a movie. And there's like certain on, on, free movies on demand. Yeah. On demand. Okay. On demand. There's certain free movies, right? <laughs> and I'm looking through right. all the free movies and zone troopers. Hmm. Oh, I'll give that a shot. And <laughs> I did. It's not great. Good. It's not great. Oh my goodness. I'm looking it, at it right now. It's not, uh, it's not bad enough for me to. Wow. <laughs> it's not great. My friends. Wow. But, the, the alien looks like a fly mixed with a gorilla. Uh, yeah, that's valid. Oh, yeah, there he is. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Wow. So it's your yep. it's your typical um, interesting. It's your typical band of brothers. They're out there. And they're on the front lines, and they find an alien, and there's a UFO involved, and they get to use the weapons <laughs> from the UFO, and. And then I didn't realize, like, this is this movie. It's nineteen uh, mid eighties, I think. Yeah, nineteen eighty five. Yep, there it was. Not great, but at the same time, <laughs> wow. You know, I'm, you got I an hour and a half to kill at your parents' house, and everyone's in bed, and you need something to do in the quiet of the house, and that's what I chose. Zone troopers should not be a part of that. Well, but what about uh, have you, it makes me think of uh, what's that one the Philadelphia Experiment I, I haven't seen that you haven't seen that it's um, I think it's it's World War Two. it's, it's at least you know some some uh, like basically two guys from the past and it I think it's in World War Two. I didn't do any research on this uh, if you can tell I don't know and um, they there's an experiment that's going to be on one of the one of their ships and they think it's going to be one of those things it's going to be like the you know the the weapon that's going to turn the war turn the tide there and um and all of a sudden they appear in what is modern day america and it's it's you know they're they're taken aback they don't know what's going on and they have to sort of figure out what happened in this Philadelphia experiment, because they're the only ones. I mean, they, they, they sort of landed near each other and, and, you know, they were able to make that bond you know, and, and friendship and, and to keep moving and, and all that stuff. But at the same time, they, they needed to find out what happened back in their own time. And, uh, I wouldn't say it's a fantastic movie. In fact, I, I, there's one part in the movie where it's trying to give you the impression that it's late at night and there's a clock on the bed stand there. And, well, what is nighttime? P.M., right? So mm-hmm. it says 2 p.m. on the, the clock, and it's pitch dark outside. But if you um, think about it, 2, 2 p.m. is in the afternoon. <laughs> so it's sort of like one of those things where it was like this this really stupid gaffe. But um, <laughs> it's it's kind of sad that that's the most important thing I remember from the film. I have um, not seen the movie, but it's based on like a true story. I, I listened to a podcast. Um, yeah, it was one of the stuff you should know. 
podcast or something like that where they they talked about this whole thing with um this this ship that they were trying to do an experiment on to make it like have a a cloaking device or something like that but right right yeah and uh, hmm. it, it turns out well if you want to watch it watch it and it's not the worst movie of all time but it's one of those ones that it's you know uh, there's some shock value in it you know you little kids i wouldn't probably have them watch it just because there's some scenes there's, there's some body horror type stuff in there oh, okay. where hmm. you know, little kids uh probably wouldn't want to you know what is going on there daddy and, <laughs> and you wouldn't want to have to stop the whole film and explain it to them. but um you know, I I think it's it's at least worth a you know a, a watch and a giggle, um, because you know some of the things are sort of laugh worthy. It's it's one of those you know fish out of water, fish out of time type of stories too, where the, you know the guys are you know like, what is this a, a telephone you know and things like that. So, uh, you know, almost like Battlestar Galactica eighty, <laughs> you know, they're like, what is this? Well, I I will defend. Battlestar Galactica, 1980. I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just saying it's similar to, you know, what they went through when they ended up on Earth. And they're like, you know, what is this telephone? Yeah. Yeah. And they make all the change fall out of it so they can make a phone call and then the police gets called. Uh, Okay. Similar to that, though, is the final countdown. Have you seen that one? I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. So that's the opposite. That is a... uh, um, aircraft carrier from modern day 1980 ends up going back in time to world war two. Wow. And it's before uh, Pearl Harbor and they have to decide what are they going to (laughs) do? Nice. And it's really, it's, it could be a lot better. And they ask a lot of interesting questions without really exploring them in the greatest way That's, possible, but it, it's, it's 1980 and it, it works as like a 1980 sci-fi trying to be serious movie. And <laughs> nice. yeah, I, um, that one I seen on TV as well, but it was like actually on like late night TV that I was flipping channels and caught it at the very beginning, uh, like at 11 o'clock. And I'm like, well, I, that was when I didn't have to get up and go to work at, um, like an actual office hours and that ah, watch this. <laughs> and so I watched it and, Again, that one, um, I, I really, it's a time travel movie and I love time travel movies. And this one is all about like this huge ship, but they're trying to figure out, do we do anything? Cause we could totally mess up history right now. Right. But should we, but what happens if you do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was cool. Could have been cool. better, but doesn't matter. Then, of course, we talked about Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. Which... Doctor Who has some stuff where they, they go back to that era as well. I never saw um, it. The, the episode, um, was it Let's Kill Hitler? I think is one of the I episodes. Think that's, yeah, yeah. That was right after I stopped watching closely um, Doctor Who. And, and I never got back into it in time. And, and then it disappeared from whatever service I was watching it on. I can't remember if it was, it's it. Yeah. And I just never get, I've, I've not gone back to Dr. Who in like three years. Wow. Yeah. Me either. It's one of those things where, you know, you, you stop listening, you stop watching and, and 
sometimes it's like difficult to get back in because you know it's it's one of those season long things and if you get mm-hmm. back in you're going to have to start back and maybe even watch a couple episodes that you watched already just to keep you know that that continuity going and you're like oh, do i want to put that much time and effort into it so i don't know maybe we should have someone else on and they can <laughs> review the last couple of years of Doctor or, or or we should just get back into it maybe but or maybe yeah <laughs> Listeners, you'd let us know if it's worth it. So there you go. So um, another one, though, with speaking of killing Hitler, um, Quentin Tarantino did Inglorious Bastards, which I don't mm-hmm. know if I can say that on our podcast here, but that's the title of the film. It is and the title of the film. I have to say, uh, I think I liked it. Okay. There, It's, it's bloody. It's violent. It's a remake, but, right? Not really. I mean, he stole the title, but that's pretty much it because the whole the whole gimmick and and I'm going to give it away for for everyone here. Um, It's an alternate history. And but it doesn't feel like it is at first. And but it's all about this team of uh, Jewish American soldiers and some other Jewish European soldiers who meet up together and um, they're going to go kill Hitler. And they do. Like, it's really interesting is it gets into all these like there's some film history stuff that's involved and uh, not not all that real. But, um, yeah, they find out that Hitler's going to attend a a special film showing from a German filmmaker at a special theater that they're going to go and they're going to they're going to blow up the theater. So, wow. Yeah. uh, But again, it's it's Tarantino. It's bloody uh, does some jumping around in the narrative and, and that kind of thing. But, um, might be some language. Oh, there's language, uh, <laughs> German and English actually. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and there's also Lord. some foul language as well where they, they say words, alphabet oh, wow. words as my children say, I think I might've what told they... them that that's what we call them, but we what call swear call words, it? alphabet words in our, in our house. Alphabet words. Alphabet yeah. words. Yeah, you know, because there's the A word and the B word and so on and so forth. <laughs> right. So we call them alphabet words. That's funny. Have you guys seen Valkyrie? No, no. but that's based on a true story that's oh. very similar, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so good. Is it really? So, oh, yes. Huh. Oh, it's Tom Cruise. So right? tense the whole time. Yeah. And Brian Singer. The director of the first two X Men movies and Superman Returns, right? But man, so not a fan really of Tom good. Cruise that I just—it's hard for me to see things with him in it. I'll see anything with Tom Cruise in it once. <laughs> you Fair mean enough. if Tom Cruise is right. only in it once? I'd say a movie that if Tom Cruise <laughs> was only in it once. I mean, re- restructure your sentence grammatically, and I think maybe that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> No, for some reason, I just really enjoy Tom Cruise movies. Wow. Usually. Yeah, I'm okay. still praying for you then. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you guys seen uh, this This one? I don't know if you guys will have seen. It's uh, it's pretty pretty niche. Uh, it's called Return to Neverland. It's an animated Disney sequel. Um, nope. You know, I've never seen that. No. This was back when Disney was creating directed DVD sequels to all of their classic movies like The Little Mermaid 2 and Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, and Aladdin 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Actually, Aladdin 3 is really, really good. But uh, 
Net, Return to Neverland is the Peter Pan sequel, and it's Wendy's daughter, and they're living in the Blitz. And, and uh, so therefore, so basically a Narnia ripoff. Well, it's, yeah, it's like the same sort of. Uh, I mean, if you're living in London during World War II, you're going to be in the Blitz. So I don't know if it's a Narnia ripoff. Well, um, it's a Narnia ripoff if you're living in the Blitz and you're escaping to a fantasy world. I think is where. Steve was going with that. Oh, well, yeah. I suppose so. But in Narnia, are they kidnapped by a flying pirate ship during the middle of an air raid? Maybe. Not going to give any spoilers. <laughs> well, that's what happens here. Well, clearly they are ripping off the wardrobe with a pirate ship. Yes, I mean, of course. Uh, yeah, there's just no it. question here yeah. that. And Aslan and Tinkerbell, so similar. Anyway. <laughs> you have uh, you have German fighter pilots uh, clipping Captain Hook's ship and shooting at it, and they're shooting cannons back and stuff, and they're kidnapping her. Yeah, it's it's a pretty. I I'm gonna say something controversial here, but I enjoy this movie much more than the original Peter Pan. Why is that controversial? Um, the original Peter Pan is great because of what it was in building animated library of disney and and the way that they were able to you know uh, affect the entire animation industry with all the stuff that disney was doing but i have a hard time watching it and i don't think my kids have i don't think my kids made it through the movie peter pan's kind of a creep it's well it's, it's difficult because you have the the ethnic insensitivity with the you know what makes indian red and that's part of it you know stuff like that um you know, and it, I mean, there are some difficult. If you think about it, there are some difficult things. But if you're just sort of thinking through the story of it, you know, it's it's a, a little boy who didn't want to grow up and he's sort of you know forced to grow up. But wait a minute, the the sound of the the pirate and the father, they're the same voice, and you're sort of like, wait a minute, there's something deeper here, and. You know, there's there's eh. something else going on there. It, it, it's it's. I don't know if it's <laughs> worth it to get to the depth to to, to get to, well, to, to wait anyway, through the story that's not very engaging to get if to you the, want a, yeah. a if you want a good Peter Pan movie that's not Hook or the other Peter Pan movie that was live action, um, then check out this one. Wendy's daughter, because she's growing up during World War II, she she doesn't kid around and she doesn't want to kid around and she's very serious and she has to take care of her family. And so when she gets kidnapped and taken to Neverland, you know, she's no nonsense and uh, she does not fit in very well with Peter Pan or the Lost Boys. And so it's a cool dynamic there. And I think it's a much more interesting story and, and Peter Pan's much less of a jerk, <laughs> <laughs> if that matters to you. So I check it out. It, it's one of those animated Disney sequels that's worth it. And Tinkerbell's probably much less of a traitor. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's horrible if you think about it. She's like, you know, I don't a, a think traitor. about it. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, that's I, the most obscure one I could find. All right. So I just want to mention some more time travel stuff because um, my first published comic is actually a time travel story that does deal with the whole yep. idea of of uh, killing Hitler or, or what? Yep. Time piece. 
And, you know, somewhere around here, I have a, a script for it as an audio drama <laughs> that we should, we should do sometime, maybe. Um, I'm not going to give away, like, how the time travel works in that story and, and what happens when the guy is, like, kind of going through all the different options of what he could do with this time machine that he has, yeah. this time piece that he has. But just to throw this out there, um, one of the greatest Star Trek episodes ever is about... Right, Doctor McCoy accidentally um, causing Hitler to win World War Two. Uh, <laughs> uh, the city, the city on the edge of forever. Yeah, it's one of the best ever. It's one of those that it transcends Star Trek and transcends um, just you know the Star Trek fandom. My English teacher in seventh grade, she loves this episode of or loved, I should say. I don't know if she's still alive. I. I haven't spoken to her since seventh grade, but um, she loved this episode of Star Trek and talked about it in class. And wow. yeah. It, and so there's one right there. Boom. Um, and then you have Be- Galactica 1980, Steve. They come to Earth and realize that Earth's Earth in 1980 can't handle a Cylon invasion. And so mm-hmm. one of the first episodes in the pilot, uh, like there's three pilot episodes that kind of go together as part one, two and three. Um, I think it's part two. Uh, one of the people from from the Galactica goes back in time to World War II to give the Nazis um, technology from the Galactica so that they could win <laughs> win World War II. And wow. and then you have Star Trek Enterprise as another one where they have an episode where um, they go into a alternate timeline and the Nazis have have joined up with some aliens to uh, win win World War II. <laughs> and that's uh, that was part of the uh, the what they call it the temporal cold war. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which is a that great... same thing. That same thing happens in, in Ultimate Marvel. Aliens with the Nazis. Yep. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's... and only Captain America and the higher ups knew what was really happening. Who were the that's higher cool. ups? Like the. The higher ups in the government, like the president. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about superheroes then. I mean, I time travels out of my system now. Let's talk about superheroes because, <laughs> um, I mean, World War One is the setting of the Wonder Woman movie. But anyone who knows Linda Carter knows, yeah, her real time period is World War Two. Yeah, like that's just Wonder Woman's World War. That's where she comes on the scene in her it's satin tights, fighting for her life. That's right. And the old red, white, and blue. And Captain yep. America, World War II. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, Hellboy has some World War II stuff in it. Yeah, that's that's where they found him. Um, we're just talking movies? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. uh, we could go – it could go pretty deep if we don't just stick with movies here. But, yeah, I mean, all these things we're talking about here are also comics as well. And the Very World true. War II element of Wonder Woman is from the comics. The World War element, World War II element of Captain America is from the comic books of the time in the forties. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. And, uh, and Hellboy, obviously not of the time of the forties, but <laughs> brings in that element. Um, yeah. Well, Yeah. 
Yeah, the best Wolverine movie out there is the opening credits to Wolverine Origins. <laughs> it's the movie that should have been made because yeah. it's just them bouncing from war to war to war. Yep. What a great yeah, movie that, that could have been, awesome. been. What a great movie that could have been. And instead we got the one we got. Uh, I, I enjoyed The Wolverine where he goes to Japan and they show him in Japan during World War II, and he was at, right outside uh, Nagasaki oh, when they dropped the bomb. That's right. I forgot about that. Hmm. So that was kind of a cool story element. You know, that's another reason why World War II is a point in history to go to, though, because not only do we have these... I mean, it's a turning point in, in human history in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's this giant war. It's this global war. We have this horrible, horrible uh, Holocaust happening with the Jewish people in uh, in Europe. And then we also have the first use, and it's against civilians, but it's the first use of a uh, nuclear bomb. You know, atomic warfare happened yep. in World War II. And, like, this is... This is the place to visit. Have you, have you seen uh, the anime movie Grave of the Fireflies? I know, but it's I've like, heard of it. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, it is. It's really, really good. It's also about dropping the bomb on. I can't remember if it's Hiroshima or Nagasaki, yeah. but um, it was a double feature with my neighbor Totoro. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a difficult kids double feature. Um, I, like, I want wow. to try that double feature sometime and just watch them. Um, and I want to watch uh, 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 Grave Grave of the Grave of the Fireflies with with my kids sometime as well. Yeah. Um, I've read the book. I haven't. I own the movie and I've read the manga. I haven't actually watched the movie. So. The Wind Rises is another one that's tied to World War Two. Yeah, it is. It is. I like that. And lot. I like that one. Yeah. Did, did you? I couldn't remember. I knew, I knew you had seen it. I. For some reason, I thought you didn't like it. Maybe someone else we were talking to. You lent me your copy, and uh, yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I've, I'm hard pressed not to enjoy Miyazaki movies on some level. They're very good, it, <laughs> even though a lot of them have magic in it. And I like my favorite one used to be uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Um, now it's not <laughs> because <laughs> of my convictions, but uh, yeah. Because lots and lots of magic, um, but yeah, the wind rises. I really enjoyed that one. Have you guys seen Emperor? Emperor. I don't think yeah, it's that. got Tommy Lee Jones in it as General Patton. Um, um, but it's about the United States coming into Japan after the war, and they're evaluating whether or not the Emperor of Japan was directly responsible for Japan's actions, or if he was a if he was manipulated by his uh, hmm. his underlings in the military, and so it's really interesting. It's like a really, really in depth, cool picture of. I mean, cool because it, it's it's what it would be like to be there, which I always think is cool to see. Um, but it's a picture of Japan right after the war ended, and uh, what the Americans did there. So, no, I have not seen. Very that. interesting. I liked it. Um, um, go ahead, Ben. Well, I, I was just going to say, um, like, I think we should we kind of wrap things up because we do have some uh, listener feedback that we want to get to. But, we do. Yeah. So, a- any others that that you want to recommend or that you want to 
um, now Ben mention. <laughs> I uh, I think I remember you saying something about not liking this movie. Okay. Uh, Pearl Harbor, the movie. Oh, I cannot stand that movie. Uh, <laughs> I really like that, that movie. You, no. Wait, wait, wait. So you you're you're adding in the qualifier really to this movie. Like you really like this movie. Oh, yeah. It was it was difficult so to that's watch. That's just for a me. movie you you like on some level. It's something you really like. Well, I. It's not like I like watching Pearl Harbor blow up, but but I really like the movie because it brings you back to. It's, I mean, for me, I haven't seen another movie that would depict it in such a historically vivid, accurate way. And I understand that there's some inaccuracies, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, clearing my throat there. As far as the actual, as far as the actual bombing of the islands, and yeah. when, when all that takes place in the aftermath of that, I think it's pretty accurate. No, it's it, there is definitely that element of it, and uh, the the problem for me is that they're saying, "Hey, everyone loved Titanic. You know what we should do is make Titanic <laughs> only set it with Pearl Harbor, and instead of like ending with the boat sinking or ending with Pearl Harbor, we should follow our characters uh, who have a love triangle." And have them like actually be a part of the retaliation strike. It just it just didn't ring true to me. It just it just didn't. I did not like that movie. I did not like that movie. Yeah, not so much. Um, one okay. that that would come highly recommended would be Midway. I think it was done in the mid seventies. Uh, had some you know great actors of the time. You know, it also tells one of those stories. A lot of people go to Pearl Harbor, and a lot of people go to uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, but you know it, it's one of those wars where the more you look into it, there's just such fantastic depth of human drama all over the place. And you know, Midway was one of those uh, pivotal points in the war. And um, so I would uh, I would just say check that one out. The World War Two. II- movie and this is the last thing i'll say before we move on to feedback the world war ii movie that i can that i recommend probably the highest out of all of them uh that at least the one that i enjoy the most probably is uh the sound of music Mm, yeah yeah i would say a hiding place as well um which is a, a it's a you know straight christian movie i think it was made by the billy graham people um, and it's, uh, it's stark and it's hard to watch, but it follows this, you know, Dutch family through their, you know, uh, giving a hiding place to Jewish people. And then when they get caught, you know, they pretty much follow the same fate. You know, they, they the, the Nazis were not, uh, very kind to people who were, you know, hiding, uh, people who they thought were, you know, less than human. So uh, the hiding place uh, for a Christian, uh, Christian version of it. And it's a fantastic story of a, a real story. Corey Ten Boom is uh, the name of the uh, the the lady and uh, author. the she wrote yeah, the, the book. The author. She wrote yeah, the yeah. book. I would rec- I highly recommend the book. Highly, highly yeah, recommend the book. The book and she did have a part in the movie as well. 
Um, you know, she, I think she played herself, you know, in, in old age or something like that, but uh, fantastic and a fantastic story of how the human heart can change through Christ and almost nothing else. You know, the, it, when, when a human heart changes, uh, like that, it's just an amazing, an amazing thing. Uh, I won't give away the ending, but, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal movie. And I, I'll just say one of the things that one of the important things about these kind of movies, even Pearl Harbor, even Pearl Harbor is that they remind us of, of these things and that these things happened and that, yeah, I mean, Steve, you're talking about like this human drama across the globe. I mean, there's, there's things happening all over the world. Yeah. Even when it wasn't in like, uh, a place where battles were happening, you know, there, there were, there were people, there was loss and, and there was heartache and there was rejoicing when someone came home and there were people coming home, changed people. And, and there were, um, you know, things that were witnessed that, that people who witnessed it couldn't even talk about with, with their family. Um, or just because it was so horrific. Um, and then there were things that just affected, it affected people on a personal level forever afterward to the point where all of us were born, you know, decades after this war. And, and here we are, you know, talking about all of the, these movies and stuff like that. But, um, we all have family who was affected by the war. And and so there's the trickle down effect, you know, of, um, you know, hearing stories from our grandparents maybe about, um, what was happening when, you know, what, what, where were they during the war? And everyone remembers who was alive at that time, where they were when, when they first heard about Pearl Harbor. And, you know, as as far as, as far as American history go, there's, there's other things in, in other countries history that's, that's similar. Um, and, it just, it's so big, but it's, it, these movies help us remember these things. And the, the interesting thing, again, going back to Steven Spielberg is in his Indiana Jones movies, it's cartoonish. I mean, he, he turns Nazis into cartoons Yeah, and, and, and in some ways, rightfully so. I mean, that's one of the things is, you know, why do people, you know, make Hitler out to be a buffoon? Why? Because you take away a lot of his power when you laugh at him. Um, right. even though he's really not a laughing matter as, as a human being. Um, but then you have Spielberg turn around and do, like I said, Schindler's list, which dealing with the same war, same time period as Indiana Jones. I mean, if, if all of Spielberg's movies are in the same universe, Indiana Jones is out doing his thing while Schindler is doing his thing, <laughs> you know, and it's, but it's a completely different purpose and a completely different you know, Schindler's list is basically to say, do, never forget. Yeah. Never, yeah. never forget that this is what humanity is capable of. And for us as Christians, it's then looking at that and seeing just how far, uh, the fall really takes us. And just these, these horrible things that no one should ever have to experience. And, that no one should even be able to conceive that, you know, what we should do, we should do this. This is a good idea. And yeah. So anyway, all that, all all that said is, you know, for, for me, a lot of these movies are just reminders of, Oh my goodness, you know, this is what we're capable of both on the, the good side and on the bad side. And 
yeah, I think you're right, Steve. Uh, the hiding place is one of those perfect kind of stories where it's, it's a person who she learned to love her captors, you know, and she, she learned, she, she's in this concentration camp and she's figuring out, you know, God loves these people, you know, and it's really interesting. Um, cause it also makes me think of just the weight of glory. There's something that happened in, we, we had a big, um, a big, uh, leadership summit, uh, that we're part of, uh, today. And one of the speakers was talking about how a, a person who, who told a lie is never just a liar. And a person who actually has killed someone is not just a killer. They all, you know, he didn't go as far as to go into C.S. Lewis's weight of glory, but I mean, he was kind of dancing around it where we've been created by a creator. And if we could see us the way God sees us, the worst person that we hate the most, um, we, we would really feel bad for hating them because <laughs> God yeah. created that person, you know? And, yeah. um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's world war two on film. Go see Dunkirk. Boom. <laughs> hey, you guys want to do some, listener? go see return to Neverland, <laughs> which is a little bit, maybe not so easy to find right now, but, um, <laughs> You know, maybe it'll be on a double feature disc with with Dunk. No, it won't. Um, <laughs> hey, you remember how I found the hailing frequencies uh, sounder? Yeah. Yeah. Let's use it. Okay. All right. Hailing frequencies okay, we got a couple emails and some Facebook things, and we are we're taking care of business, as they say. Mm. Let's yeah. take care of some business here. I've got an email Show from business. from Daniel. Not not Daniel Butcher. This is Daniel, someone else. Uh, Daniel Grove. <laughs> and the uh, subject line is Bible video game episode feedback. And Wait. here is what he has to say. He says, this is a great subject. And I'm, glad, I'm glad you all made, chose to make an episode about it. I agree that the Bible has great stories, but I just can't imagine playing a game that I would consider fun or look forward to playing if it was a game about Esther trying to convince the king <laughs> or other similar books, perhaps it's because I already know what will happen. Why bother? I can change history in the game and ruin things. Or perhaps I just <laughs> like the bigger scope stories about being a space opera fan. I like everything bigger and more risky without being all heretical. I do like the idea of taking a story or theme from the Bible and moving it to the future. That could be really cool. You could still use it to show thought provoking concepts and lessons while you play and make decisions. Steve's historical idea where you're taken back to different time periods, like civilizations reminds me of a game I loved in high school named Pharaoh. And it was awesome. Very fun and addictive. If you could change that to running Israel and building the nation while dealing with different tribe issues, trade, pagan nations, war, famine, uh, blessing and Jewish calendar events affecting the nation gameplay. That could be fun, challenging and very educational. But I have to be honest, Steve's second idea didn't sound very fun. It included focusing on attributes of your character and seeing the results such as job and environment changing as a result of th that you learn new things throughout history. Evan's idea of an Assassin's Creed style free roaming game sounds fun to be part of the historical biblical world where you can see the major events unfolding, but you might miss them if you're not in the right place. It could be very educational and fun to replay because you may have... Uh, May have missed. Sorry, um, I lost my place. But you might miss them. 
can be very educational and fun to replay because you may have missed something in a different part of town or your friend would tell you about something cool that you didn't know about. You could go back and see, see it or be a part of it or change it within limits. It would be amazing for... Uh, It'd be amazing for money funders to fund a good video game instead of movies for a change. But the thought makes me nervous. Yeah. Think of the, think of the early nineties Christian film world. It was bad. It needed help and money and more talented people. Now we're getting pretty decent Christian movies that are mostly to Hollywood standards in terms of image quality and production. I feel if there was a move toward Christian gaming, it would have to start off terrible and we would be laughed at (laughs) a lot and not have many great games. We'd be proud of, but if the movement kept pushing forward, Maybe in 15 years, it could get good, maybe less given today's advancement in technology and gifted people in Christian industries. But just because you're scared of failing first doesn't mean you should not give it a try. Also, please make the Strangers and Aliens fighting game happen. An (laughs) HTML5 browser version would be awesome. I've often thought about what would make a great video game as I think about stories I would like to novelize that are either Christian or based in the Christian worldview universe. And the reader would discover nuggets of biblical truth or big life questions as they play slash read. One idea that would be awesome to put the character in an almost fantasy world that is pre-flood, perhaps fighting giants, learning about the fall through myth and first slash secondhand accounts, a.k.a. Super Great Grandma Eve, uh, learning about angels, (laughs) facing Nephilim and seeing angels and demons fight alongside you in battles against the unrighteous. Maybe you could be an undecided character, like a gray Jedi in the Star Wars universe that slowly makes up his mind while encountering Noah and helping defend his compound against evil forces. Perhaps you could encounter dragons, evil magic from the followers of Satan. Sorry, Evan. And holy (laughs) encounters with God slash Christ slash angels. Another idea is what if you were an angel and you'd be dispatched to help believers either in epic battles or in other things, even fighting hordes of demons during a prayer time when the human you are protecting is being tempted or tampering with dangerous things in their earthly life, and your actions show the other side of things in the supernatural realm. An epic mythos for angels and the heavenly realm could be constructed from the details we have in the Bible about the basics and being outside of time could introduce lots of material and situations for you to enter the earthly realm throughout history. Another idea I had came from a dream where in the far future, all religion has been banned and the government has gathered up the remnants of religious texts and locked them up in a vault. Long after all, long after that, the generations of humans have mostly forgotten about religion, all but a few that have had the stories passed down in secret through oral traditions in their families. So the story starts out with the galactic government, think the Empire from Star Wars, crumbles due to its size or corruption or internal conflict, and the vault is opened by the new powers that be. This creates a revolution of religious and historical interest and education as the masses try to find out what's real. In my dream, my character found an ancient copy of the Bible on display at a public temple, but just then the building was raided by government agents through space and in the midst of various wait was raided by those who wanted to restore the, oh my goodness i am not reading very well those who wanted to restore the old and evil government i grabbed the bible and hid what followed in the dream was an awesome adventure of running from government agents through space and in the midst of various alien species as i hid this book and tried to get away from the agents i was encountering god and he was helping me guiding me to safety and i was reading the actual bible for the first time for myself and learning about this god among many others it was an awesome dream it could make a fun game my last idea wow. is one that takes place during the millennial reign of christ somewhere in the 1000 year reign you could be someone who was born in the middle or near the end of the thousand years and are not yet a believer or perhaps a well-meaning agnostic curious about this king that lives in the golden city your character would live outside the city and the other nations alluded to in the bible and would have an upcoming trip to the city 
You can introduce struggle by placing at the end of the thousand years where God allows Satan one final go at defeating people before being defeated forever, and you can be in the middle of that. Perhaps there is technology. Perhaps humans have expanded into space. Who knows? This era in history, is, as well as the pre-flood time area, uh, seem to be widely untouched by books, comics, and movies. Yet, if we use the bits of truth in the Bible, amazing worlds of adventure and education about God's plan and character could be developed. Hope this isn't too long for you guys to read. <coughs> <laughs> it's water no not at uh, all I hope this isn't too long for you guys to read if you choose to if it is too lengthy just omit the first part where I complain about y'all's ideas <laughs> nope yeah, I'm not taking that out sorry it's all in love you know I love y'all's opinions and experiences and I am very thankful for this podcast and it's variety I tell all my friends Christians and not about this podcast I'm trying to get you guys some new fans P.S. I like saying Jesus the video game game so yeah, that's the episode I wasn't on. Yeah, I know you weren't, <laughs> yeah. but I think no, you could no. have added to it. There's a, a couple of uh, things that he had there, you know, sparked a little bit um, of stuff that I could dig into a little bit. Um, I think Andrews and Genesis as actually putting out, I don't know if it's comic books or if it's like novels um, of like Noah pre-flood. And they're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, do some stuff about exploring that and exploring, you know, what the... Uh, you know, the the pre-flood animals would be like, you know, even with dinosaurs and things like that. Um, the other thing he was mentioning with the angels, I was thinking you could sort of do like a Sims sort of a game where, you know, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, like, but you're the, the angel taking care of, you know, th- this person or those people or, you know, even this uh, whole city or whatever. And, you know, maybe you could go up in rank or something like that. Um and you know but do something like that 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 would be a pretty cool one and try to you know guide them spiritually or you know whatever your role is you know a god-given role would be um i think one of the the problems would be at some point you have to sort of assume what angels can and can't do yeah in 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 a broader sense um and that that can sort of lend itself to you know, like like when when people write comic books and it it and sometimes God is the character in the comic book, and the and God is doing stuff that God never did, or God, you know, you you have a pretty good sense that God probably wouldn't do that, and it's sort of like this person is well-meaning in what they're trying to do, but maybe even bordering on the heretical by, you know, saying God is, is doing this and God had did that or something, or God made this pact with these people or whatever. You can't really do that and just stay orthodox. So yeah. it, it would be very difficult to, uh, to, to keep it going, but it, it sounds like a very cool idea. I honestly have trouble with people doing comic books about, um, I have trouble with Christians doing comic books where they're basically copying spawn, but it's like the Christian spawn. Right. You know, yeah. like he died and then God makes a deal with him to go back. Like he, right. he's going to go to hell, except God says no. But if you go back and fight crime, yeah. I will let what? you not be dead. I've oh, seen goodness. it a couple times. It's usually not quite as ridiculous as what I just said, but there have been a couple times where it was exactly what I just said. Yeah. Um, wow. And I, and I'm not kidding. It's, there's been a couple times that I've seen people do exactly what I just said. And they're, they're, they're Christians who are saying, I want to do spawn, but a Christian spawn. And it's just like, no, why don't you try mm-hmm. doing something else? That's a, you know, yeah. that's a Christian, <laughs> that's a something original. else that maybe comments yeah, on Spider-Man. Well, you know, 
what I'd much rather would be instead of doing a Christian copy of Spawn, do a Christian story that's dealing with those kind of things. Right. And making yeah. a comment on Spawn, you know. And Yeah. But <clears throat> hey, by the way, did you know that Armor Quest uh started life as a possible game, not a video game, but as a a board game uh oh, about collecting the pieces huh. of armor and and battling a, a dragon at the center of the board. Do you still have that? I did not know that. No, we we never made it. I mean, uh, but did you did you oh. still have the the rules or did you get to that no, part? No, that it started. That was the, the initial idea was something that I took to someone and said, I want to do this kind of a game, a cooperative game where people are getting their pieces of armor, upgrading their armor and then battling a dragon together. I wanted to be a, a cooperative game. And there was a initial idea, uh, outline of how the game mechanics might work that, that he sent to me that we never did anything with ever. Um, uh. and it became a comic book instead. <laughs> so, but that's how armor quest started ow yeah well daniel uh i really like all all of your ideas for games uh if you know anybody that can help me code at strangers and aliens fighting game just hit us up <laughs> and let's talk or maybe a, uh, like i got the graphics but something i am not you know. playing a hugging game uh, well, i don't high care fives or something yeah something not you don't have to have fighting no, we do. Now, when, Wait, when, let me, let when me, do we ever we do. Let me because just give you... Here's what's at just... stake. Like, we, we need to do the Evan versus Ben match about how, you know, what order to watch Star Wars in, you know? And then the yeah. winner of that match is... It doesn't matter. I mean, it's might makes right in the digital realm. <laughs> <laughs> let me give you guys oh, a yeah. sneak preview here, just a tidbit. The tidbit is when Ben blocks an attack, what he does is he pulls a trip out of his pocket and the triple takes the blow and that's all yeah. i'm gonna say okay yeah anyway <laughs> could i pull jar jar out of my pocket and have him take? <laughs> i've got hey. all the graphics already done man do you yeah they're ready <laughs> just gotta get it coded oh man amazing anyway Anyway. Shall I read one of the Facebook messages? Yeah, let's read one of the <laughs> Facebook messages. And I've got another email that we'll save for next episode. And we've got some voicemails as well from RC that we'll save for next episode as well. So, so do you want me to read all three of these? Do all three of those and then we'll we'll close this episode down. Yeah. All right. So I've got one from Andrew Musser. Is that how you say his name? I don't I know. I think so. Andrew, if that's how you say your name. I'm, if that's not how you say your name, I'm sorry. Uh, he says, fun episodes... Your mention of Bible adventures and spiritual warfare took me back, but I don't think any amount of nostalgia can change what those games were. Spiritual warfare was about as good as a Bible adventures, unfortunately. It had Zelda-like gameplay with the player roaming a map using the fruits of the spirit to fight demons. No, you didn't exhibit love, joy, peace, etc. You literally threw fruit at your enemies. So, yeah. We had that game. We had that game. That's awesome. That's disturbing. <laughs> All right, there's more. As for other Bible-based games, I enjoyed Naka and Derek. Short but pleasant mist-like adventure games that had you searching for portions of the Bible. I haven't played it, but there was also Heaven, another mist-like game, but not well-reviewed. Apparently, it was graphically impressive, but also sluggish and buggy with weak gameplay. In my perfect Bible video game... I'd certainly enjoy one of those RPGs you brainstormed, but I think a classic first-person adventure game might work even better. There's something of a tradition in the adventure genre 
genre of historically based games, particularly ones set in Egypt. And a new adventure game set in, say, first century Israel would fit pretty well into that game. So I think, you're Andrew, you're talking about like the, the first person point and click adventure type, type games on the computer. And if so, I agree. That could be done very well. Guys, you got any comments on that? Sounds interesting, yeah. I no, mean, I do like the idea of the, the mist. Yeah. Yeah. The, the mist style of game. Cool. You know, like a, an, an, an open. You know what also be cool, anything, though? Is... You start to understand there's more to just wandering around, and then you find more stuff, and it sort of leads you to, you know, some sort of a spiritual progression. The other thing that would be cool is, honestly, the text adventure. I mean, there's <laughs> the sky is the limit with that, yeah. right? You don't have to even yeah. code it, really. You, you just tell people what page to go to, right? Yep. Mm. <laughs> that would be the easiest thing to do. All right, so I've got another, I've got another one here from Andrew. Uh, he says, so I've got an idea for a potential podcast. Or I've got, a poten- I've got an idea for a potential podcast idea superheroes and their weaknesses sometimes they're interesting sometimes they're inane but now heroes but how heroes deal with them often contributes a lot to their character and as a possible subtopic powers with a price often that's just depicted as a character using their powers beyond a certain breaking point but sometimes you get a character that always has to weigh when and where to use their powers because of the toll they take it's pretty obscure but my favorite example of this popped up in a bit a bit of online fiction something called Marvelous Bob. I once read depicting a time-traveling hero who aged with the amount of time he would travel. So when we meet him, he's described as a preteen with the apparent age of an old man, which I found to be at once chilling and at the same time an incredible example of self-sacrifice that a character would be willing to fight crime at such a personal price. Interesting. And then I've got one... I like those ideas that... I like that idea. Yeah. For a podcast episode. Yeah. Of Mar of Okay. I was gonna say add, add it Bob. to the list, man. Okay. It'll be on there. And then when the last one here we've got is from Mike Withers. He says Oh, that's right. I've read this one before. I'm gonna read it in my not interested voice because of its content. <clears throat> Mike Withers says So sorry, Ben. I can't imagine having to sit through the Polar Express twice in one lifetime (laughs) seriously just thinking about it makes me want to roll around on the ground kicking and screaming no 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 like a kid who seriously needs a nap also colon dirty darn apes i think watching the original planet of the apes movie on my grandparents 13 inch black and white tv on a summer saturday matinee has ingrained a hatred for all things primate in me Wow. Well, that's so he's just he's just here sad. dissing our stuff, Ben. <laughs> that's that's sad. Notice he didn't say anything about the stuff that I like. I know it's because you Isn't don't like cool? anything Mike? anymore, Steve. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't tell everybody. Mike. We <laughs> appreciate your opinion. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know. We, hmm. I need to watch those <laughs> movies. I, I haven't watched those Christmas movies yet. 
Hmm, so Christmas in August instead of Christmas yeah, in July. Yeah, Christmas in July sounds a lot cooler, but looks like we're doing August. So, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Seriously, though. Seriously, though, Mike, thanks for being a part of the community and writing in. We do appreciate hearing from you, even if we don't yeah. agree with you. I really and, appreciate it. <laughs> and I appreciate you uh, appreciating my pain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's close this thing down, guys. This was a good, fun episode, and it's time for us to say goodbye. So go ahead. Final words. Final words. Uh, If you are – go ahead, Steve. Would be pop, freeze, tea. Evan? All all right. (laughs) And I'm just going to say if you happen to be flying your pirate ship tonight – Watch out for those World War II fighter planes. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And of course, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. J. Samuel. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at Strange and Alien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 804 And once again, thanks for listening. I will defend Battlestar Galactica 1980.